You're listening to sermon audio from Gospelite Baptist Church. For more resources or to donate to this ministry, please visit gospelite.org. Turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter number 6. We're going to jump in here. Today we're going to talk about dealing with the past. When I was younger, there wasn't much past to deal with. To be honest with you, life was great. You know, I mean, you just kind of wake up and every day's a new day and, you know, you go through those teenage years and then into your college years. But here's what happens after you live a while. Anybody, anybody agree with me? On this? You, things sort of pile up. <laughs> it's like, man, when I was young, it just seemed like I didn't have a worry in the world. But now that I've lived a while, I've, man, there's been a lot of things that have happened in my life. A lot of things in my past, things that I've, I've had to deal with. And when things happen, people begin to disappoint you. Rejection comes. Sometimes disappointment happens. And, and here's my first thought for you in your worship, God. If you don't find a good way, a godly way, a biblical way of dealing with things that happen in life, it's going to be so hard to move forward if you don't make a choice about the past. And often that choice is forgiveness. Sometimes forgiving yourself. Sometimes forgiving others. All of it is understanding the forgiveness that we have in Christ and that our identity is in Him. And so as I begin this message and move through those notes rather quickly, and I I had someone after the end of the service encourage me and say, Pastor, we had a lot to get in this morning, but wow, I just... You know, it, it, it just thankful the Holy Spirit will let us get it all done, and, and we got done in, in time, and we'll do that this morning as well. I say that because I want to show you a video. It's a few minutes long, but I really, even though I've discussed whether I should show it in my spirit, I, I, after watching it and talking to several people, I feel like this is a great way to introduce the message. And then I'll begin with four ways to choose forgiveness and four reasons why we should in dealing with our past. Take a look. heard the saying he's carrying a lot of baggage from his past or avoid her baggage but think about it i mean baggage it's we get it from other people the things that they do to us or say to us and if we carry those memories around in essence we carry baggage we begin collecting baggage when we're just little kids there you are Hey, 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 I need to talk to you. Yeah, what? Well, um, we were talking about building the, the treehouse. Yeah, yeah. I love treehouses. Yeah, it's just a thing. Um, see, you can't help us build the treehouse. Why? Well, you don't really want me to tell you. Yeah, I do. Okay, well, we were talking, uh-huh. um, um, the gang, we were talking, and, yeah. um, well, you're too fat. What? You'll weigh down the treehouse. I'm not fat. Yes. No, no, yes. I'm not. No, no, uh, mommy just says I'm big boned. Dinosaurs are big boned, you're fat. No, no, no. Mommy says I'm chunky. <laughs> Peanut butter's chunky. You're fat. No, no, no. no. M- mommy says that I've lost weight. I think you found it. No, no, no. Mommy says I'm just different. <laughs> Your mommy says you're just different? Yeah, I'm just different. <laughs> go back to where you came from. I gotta go. Bye. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That's one of the biggest lies we teach children. Words hurt. They cut deep. And if we carry around the words of other people, essentially what we do is we're collecting baggage. 
See, we can't, we can't find our self-worth based on what other people think of us. We have to find our self-worth based on Christ and our relationship with Him. But it doesn't seem to be that easy. And as life goes on and we get older, we just tend to collect more baggage. Sometimes we pick up baggage from people who are very close to us, like a best friend. No, I, I know. I know, Shelly. I know. It's like we talked for three hours and it seemed like five minutes. I know, I know, I know. It's like we have this amazing connection, this chemistry. Okay, I'm just going to say this, Shelly. I've never said this to anyone in a really long time. Um, but I, Shelly, I feel like you're, you're my density. I really, really do. Hmm? No, I, you're right. You're my, you're my destiny. That's what I meant. You're my destiny, right? I'm just so applause. Hey, he's right here. I got to go. Okay, bye. Hey, buddy, what's up? How much are you talking to? Um, um, talking to my mom. Your mom's your destiny. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she gave birth to me and everything. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Kudos. Really? Yeah. Because it sounds like you said Shelly. Yeah, um, that's her, that's her name. I thought your mom's name was Kelly. That's her middle name. Your mom's name's Kelly Shelly? Yeah, yeah. And she was picked on a lot when she was a kid, so I just really try to encourage her all the time and tell her that I love her. What's wrong with that? Okay, I mean, okay. Great thing uh, whatever, whatever. Did you talk to my Shelly? Yeah, I did. Um, and? She's not... She's not going to be your Shelly. What? Look, we just started talking. We just, we just kind of hit it off. I mean, it just happened. I mean, what? we had this great chemistry. It just... No, 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 no. You were supposed to call her for me. I did. I started out doing that. I did. You no. gotta believe me. You're supposed to be my best friend. I, I am. Don't, don't let a girl come between us, okay? This I is not a big... You did this. Look, man, you know I've liked her since we were in kindergarten, and you were supposed to talk to her for me. Yes, but but I've been your best friend since kindergarten, and we've always said growing up, best friends forever, right? Yeah, well, you know what? Forever just got a lot shorter. Don't do this. Don't do this. It's a you cur- did this. You're supposed to be my best friend. And our friends, they're just trying to get through life the same way we are and sometimes they're going to make poor choices and we can either learn to forgive them or we can pick up more baggage you know the truth about baggage is we don't need other people to load it on us we do a pretty good job of dumping baggage on ourselves when we compare ourselves to others We think things like, oh, if I could be as popular as they are, if I could be as gifted and talented as they are, but I'm not. I'm a loser. I'm no good. And when we think that, we pick up more baggage. Or we find ourselves thinking, they have it made. And why is life so easy for them and so hard for me? I'm never going to make it. When we buy into that lie, more baggage. And sometimes, sometimes we pick up baggage from people who love us dearly. They just don't realize that their words cut like a knife. Son. Hey, Dad. What happened out there? Uh, um, the ball slipped. The, the lights got in my eyes. It was... The lights got in your eyes? Yeah. You know that's what costs us the game, don't you? Yeah. The ball slipped. 
How many times have I gotten up in the morning before 5 a.m. before I go to work to work on the stuff with you? Huh? There were scouts out there. You realize that? Dad, the ball slipped. The ball slipped. It did. I mean, what, what do you want? Hey, me- coach. Huh? No. <laughs> Butterfingers, yeah. <laughs> we're going to work with them. Uh-huh. All right. See you later. Are you crying? No. Well, don't. Pull it together. People are watching. I want you to grab your stuff. I'm going to go to the car and I'll meet you there, all right? Dad, I'm just disappointed in you, all right? These were our dreams, right? Grab your stuff. And our parents, they don't mean to hurt us. It's just they've got their own baggage. And when you don't deal with baggage, you pass it on. And for us, we have to learn to find our self-worth only in our relationship with Christ. And if we don't, we pick up more baggage. It gets uncomfortable, tedious. And our natural tendency is to want to dump this baggage onto someone else, but it always backfires. Hey, can I ask you a question? What are you doing in my room? I just need to ask you a question. What? Can, can you give me and my friends a, a ride to school? It, it, it's cold and I don't want to ride my bike. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Are you really asking that? Yeah, I don't think it's a big deal. Just give me a ride and some of my friends to school. You need to understand something. Just because you and your loser friends are in high school now doesn't mean I'm going to give you a ride, okay? Because look at me. You need to understand that when people look at you, they see a freak, all right? And if they know that I'm related to you, if they know we're brothers, they're going to think I'm a freak too, okay? And I'm not okay with that. So here's the deal. I don't care how you get there. I don't care if you have to walk or crawl or whatever, but I'm not going to be a chauffeur for you and your loser friends, okay? It's not my fault that Dad left. Why do you keep taking out on me? Whatever. No, you know I'm right. Okay. I'm sorry. You're not sorry. You're only sorry that I'm calling you out. I should ride my bike. I said I was sorry. I'll ride my bike. Come on. And in the process of trying to dump our baggage on someone else, inevitably what happens is we pick up more baggage. And then there's that one. There. We'll pick up at the end. Last, so the last minute. You know, sometimes a pastor will preach a message based on a pattern of counseling. So what happens is, oftentimes in, in, in my pastorate here, I'll, I'll take a period of time and sort of survey the spiritual temperature of my counseling. And, and, and as I'm talking to people... If there's a general theme that's coming up that I feel like needs to be dealt with collectively, because oftentimes if, somebody, if 10 or 20 people are dealing with something, chances are 10 or 20 or 30 more are dealing with the same thing. They're just not coming to the pastor to talk about it. So this morning's message is based on that pattern, a pattern of, of unforgiveness. So let me give you four reasons why I think it would be wise for us to consider forgiveness. Number one, I can't change my past. And because of that, I choose to forgive. 
How many of you have things in your past that you wish you could change? My hands up. Anybody else? Yep, I got them. We all got them. I've got things in my past I wish I could change. You've got things in your past that you wish you could change. Some of those things I have done to others. Some of those things have been done to me. I I feel your pain. I'm with you. But we can't go back. We can't change the past. And God doesn't want us to carry the weight of our past. Some of the baggage in that, in that video that you saw a moment ago, those things that are being carried, God doesn't intend to us. We don't have the capacity to carry those weights. So, join me in reading Matthew chapter 6 and verse 14 and 15. As we start with this passage, Jesus said, For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But... If you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Now, sometimes it's challenging to make something clear in Scripture. It is. Sometimes I find myself, uh, wow, that, now that there, I, I, I'm going to have to maybe go about it in, in a certain way or get a few takes on this or, or, or talk to some folks. This does not happen to be one of those passages. I mean, it's pretty clear. For if you forgive others their trespasses, Your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. These, I think you would agree, seem to be very serious verses. And because of that, we need to get this. It's not saying that you get saved by forgiving. It's saying this, that people who are really saved are forgiving people. Increasingly so. Not perfectly, not entirely, not, not perfectly, but increasingly we are more and more forgiving. As we sang a moment ago in the service about the overwhelming love of God, as we fall in love with Christ, as we understand His love, as it penetrates us more and more. Honestly, at times for me, it's Sunday after Sunday. It's worship set after worship set. It's scripture reading after scripture reading. It's quiet time after quiet time. As I spend my time understanding more deeply the love of Christ and His forgiveness to me, guess what? I become a more forgiving person. Not holding grudges. Not finding fault. Able to move on. Not petty. Not a scorekeeper. In fact, in this community of Hot Springs, Arkansas, the people that follow Christ should be the most forgiving people in this community. We should be known for being forgiving people. So let me give you the context of this passage. Jesus had just said the Lord's Lord's Prayer prior to what I just read you. Now, if you grew up anything like me, you said the Lord's Prayer in Scripture a lot. I I grew up in a Roman Catholic church, and so uh, I I said the Lord's Prayer every day, somewhere around 10 to 20 times a day, along with Hail Marys and rosaries and and everything else. And so I'm very familiar with this passage in Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. Pray then like this, our Father which art in heaven. Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Forgive us, I memorized it, our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And oftentimes when we read that prayer, we're we're looking for why God gave us that prayer. And it's not so that we could just repeat it, repetition, over and over again. It becomes so familiar with it that it just becomes words. I, I wonder what he meant by this. What was he thinking when he gave us this prayer? Well, I think we can look at the very next passage of Scripture and, and kind of 
I have to guess. It's in the passage. He says, after he gives us this model prayer, let's go back to that forgiveness thing. That's a toughie. I can see how you might struggle with that. So he says, after having said, forgive us our debts, our trespasses, as we forget. By the way, that's a tough one to pray. Lord, forgive me like I forgive others. That can be a tough prayer to pray. And so he says, if you forgive others. Here's what he was thinking as he finished that model prayer. Your heavenly Father will also forgive you, but if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. You see, all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Amen? I need to be forgiven. I have debts. I have trespasses and sins in my life, stumblings and failings and fallings. We all fall in many ways. In fact, sitting in this auditorium are a gathering of people in church this morning who have all fallen and fell in a lot of different ways. Would you not agree? Can we all say amen to that? Nobody's exempt from this, including your pastor. So scripture says, if you forgive others, your heavenly father will forgive you. But if you do not forgive, then he will not forgive you. The word forgiveness is used 143 times in the New Testament. Wow. Sometimes little things like that can can awake us to the importance of this subject. In fact, it's a legal term. It means to release someone from an obligation. Uh, James McDonald defines it like this. It's like canceling a debt. Forgiveness is a decision to release a person from the obligation that resulted when they injured you or when they injured me. And this often happens. Would you not agree? This is not something that just every now and then like, yeah, once a year I get hurt. No, I've been married for 34 years. Can I tell you something about our marriage? We are married today because we have learned to forgive often. In fact, if truth be told, we've probably got several thousand forgivenesses under our belt, honey. I mean, it's amazing. Today, any relationship that is longstanding will have to learn to forgive. Sometimes they're small things. Most of them are small things. In fact, most of those things, if you keep a debt small, it's, it's easier to pay back. You keep charging up that credit card and it gets impossible after a while. But some things are big things. In fact, I don't want anybody here sitting under the sound of my voice in this sermon to think that I have not considered that every horrific possibility that could be covered in a message like this. I can only imagine some of the things you've been through. Some of the things that you can imagine I've been through. Horrific things, big things. And I realize you can't change the past. And God did not give you the capacity to carry that around. And so what remains? What's left? If we can't carry it, what's left? Forgiveness. Forgiveness. Because if you don't choose to forgive, it will pile up on you until it crushes you and every person you love and care about. In fact, there's only 30 seconds left in the video, but as of now, he's looking at something else. His hands are full, his back is full. How is he going to pick up something else? He is close to being crushed by his past and the weight of not only his sin, but maybe the sins of others against him. And so as we think about forgiveness and how destructive it is, let's start with the forgivenesses that really aren't that hard to forgive, like someone took my place in traffic. Someone pulled out in front of me. Okay, okay. 
I'm, I'm, I'm going to keep my hands down. I'm not going to say anything. Come on now. Everybody okay? Does that happen to you in Hot Springs nearly every week, right? Yeah, sure it does. Man, you took my customer at work. I used to be a salesman at Sears and Roebuck. I sold washers and dryers and TVs, and, and I loved that the profession. I, I was climbing the, the corporate ladder during that, those days of my life. And man, I tell you, the, the most tension is when you've got six salesmen on one floor, and it's like all of you are salivating for the next guy. And it's, it's crazy. And I'll be honest with you, I hurt a lot of people's feelings, man. I mean, it was just like, I was, I was, I was oftentimes the one who stole that customer as I would stand in front and try to get that next customer. I needed to be forgiven. But then there's these. You took my dream for a happy marriage. You took my purity. You took my confidence. You took my dignity as a person. You took my safety. Bigger forgivenesses, but still a decision. A decision to release a person from an obligation that resulted when they injured you. Forgiveness sounds like this. You owe me. Forgiveness sounds like this. I'm going to make you pay by hating you, by slandering you. By recruiting other people to be bitter against you with me. But forgiveness sounds like this. You don't owe me. I'm not trying to get even. I'm not looking for a chance to pay you back. I'm letting it go. I'm writing it off. I can't carry this anymore. It's crushing me. I can't handle the weight of this, so I forgive you. Okay, pastor. All right. I can do that. But what happens, because it's going to happen, pastor. I'm telling you, I've, I've done this. I've tried this. I've heard somebody else preach or you preach. I mean, I've been a Christian for a while. I've heard sermons on faith. So I, I forgive. But what happens when it comes crawling back? It will. It will come crawling back. You'll forgive and think it's done and, 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 and you forgot and, and it's all over. But then all of a sudden it keeps crawling back. And when you least expect it, you see them in a moment. Or maybe you're hurt again. And, and all of a sudden you're faced again with this idea of I, I can't forgive. So first of all, we've got to understand there's two things. There's a crisis and there's a process. The crisis is this. It's what we confess today as a church. And if you were uncomfortable or you're ever uncomfortable in praying a prayer that says, I have sinned, forgive me, Father. No, no, don't be uncomfortable. That's a good place to be. It's a good place to understand that we all fall short in many ways. Unforgiveness is a sin. Listen, if you don't forgive others, you will not be forgiven unforgiveness is a sin. And every time you fail in the process, you've got to return to the, pro- to the crisis and recognize unforgiveness is a sin. And the process is, I'm going to forgive. That's, that's what my wife and I have done all these years of marriage. <laughs> we come to a crisis of unforgiveness. We've got to make a choice here. So do we say the D word? Do I walk out? Do I sleep somewhere else? Do I just tell you, you know what, I should have never married you, or do I say, you know what, this is a sin. I am sorry. I know we've been through this a couple times in our lifetime, sweetheart, but I love you, and I'm sorry I hurt you, or I forgive you for hurting me. 
Crisis process, crisis process, crisis process. And over time, we let it go. We just let it go. But it's not easy, is it? It takes time. So when you fail in the process, you have to return to the crisis. Now, there are people that, that, that have a tough time forgiving. So let's, let's talk about reasons that people don't forgive. Quickly, first of all, they'll say the hurt is too big. The size of it is no reason to hold on to it. If anything, it's a motivation. It's more motivation to let it go. Because it is a big forgiveness should be all the more reason to let it go. Secondly, time will heal it. Can I bust your bubble? It's not going to get better over time. It's just not. I think that's another false thing that we've kind of bought into. You know, you know time will heal everything. No, no, it, it's, it's not going to heal anything. It's going to get worse if you don't deal with it. Well, I'll forgive when they say they're sorry. Don't expect that anytime soon. In fact, it's probably never going to happen. I can't forgive if I can't forget. Let's turn that around. You won't forget until you forgive. I mean, listen, the crisis in the process, and over time, God will use it for his good. It, it's going to be difficult. And then if I forgive, they're just going to do it again. And so, preacher, someone has to make them pay. And I think I'll just be that person. Because if they're going to do it again, somebody's got to. Listen, that's God's job. It's not your job. Your job is to forgive God's job. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. I will repay. Let's let God do his job and let you and I do what God tells us to do. But allowing for, uh, forgiveness doesn't mean that you have to put yourself in a position to be hurt again. In fact, sometimes, you know, in, in fact, some say to me, well, preacher, if I can't bring it back up again, uh, then, then, then how am I going to, well, wait a minute. It, it's best not to bring it back up again unless it's going to help that person. That's the way God treats me. God casts my sin as far as the east is from the west, but can I tell you through the Holy Spirit, oftentimes, he'll remind me of my attitude and convict me of my sin as I'm heading towards destruction and he'll say hey Eric I don't think that's a good idea I'm so thankful that God chastens me and loves me enough to bring something up that could destroy me amen sometimes you have to bring it up if it's for their good four reasons to choose forgiveness number one I can't change my past so I'm going to forgive number two forgiveness has no limits don't miss this there is nothing that has happened to you in your life that forgiveness can't conquer. Nothing. Forgiveness is a powerful tool. Look at it here in the text. Matthew 18. Peter was trying to put a limit on forgiveness. And so Jesus says to Peter, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. Well, have you ever heard a sermon that I've preached and something kind of really just jumped out at you and to you. And so you didn't listen for a while. You know how I know you've done that? Because almost every week somebody says, hey, pastor, could you give me points two through four? I didn't get the notes there. Which means you tuned me out because you were under conviction at point number one. <laughs> right? You ever been there? Sometimes I'm like, my wife will say, did you hear him say this? And I'm like, no, I don't think I heard him say that. That's what Peter did here. Jesus had a whole lot more to say. But Peter didn't hear anything other than this. 
My brother sinned against me, and I got to go to him and forgive him. But how many times do I have to do that? I mean, this is getting ridiculous. And so Peter says in 21, he's still thinking about verse 15, but in verse 21, he says, Lord, got a question. How often will my brother sin against me, and I forgive him? Jews back in that day would have thought three times would have been like enormous. Three times. Like they had the three strike and you're out program. Okay. They were very methodical and they had all these religious rituals. And so they were like, you know, it's three times is enough. So Peter's thinking, I'm going to say seven. He's going to love this. He's going to think I'm the greatest of all time. Hey, Jesus. How about seven times? How awesome is that? And of course, Jesus looked at him and said, Peter, you're like amazing. You're the most amazing disciple ever. Peter, seven. That's incredible. Oh, Peter, I'm telling you. Did he say that? No, in fact, he says to him, I do not say to you seven times, Peter. How about 77 times? Some say 70 times seven or 490 times. But can I tell you really what the scripture is telling us here? Don't count. Don't, don't count. You can't put Limits on forgiveness. Well, I forgive these people over here, but but because they're my family and they're close to me, but I'm not forgiving these people over here. I'll forgive, but 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 I'm 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 gonna keep track. Here's the reason you can't do that. Because you're forgiven. Because I'm forgiven. Jesus wanted them to be sure that they get this, so he goes into this amazing parable. And he says in Matthew chapter 18, beginning in verse number 23, he says, the kingdom of heaven is is like this. It's it's like a a compared to a king. It's, It's a story. It's a parable. And the kingdom of heaven is thy kingdom come, thy will be done. The kingdom of heaven is is God's economy. And, And here's what God says. The kingdom of heaven is compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. How many talents is 10,000 talents? Well, one talent would have been 20 years wages. One talent. So let's just take a salary. Somebody's working out in Hot Springs, had a pretty good job, and they make $50,000 a year. 50,000 times 20 years would be what? A million dollars. So if one talent is a million dollars, what would 10,000 talents be? Anybody know? 10 billion dollars. Do you know how much 10 billion is? Me neither. (laughs) It's a lot. It's hard to fathom, isn't it? 10 billion dollars. And since he could not pay his master, ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had. 10 billion dollars. Payment must be made. The servant falls on his knees imploring him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. An outrageous assertion. That would be impossible. And so out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. Time out. Do you understand that's you? That's me. God is the king in this parable, and we are the ones with a debt that cannot be paid. We are the ones with the debt. 
I am the one who before a holy God owe a debt that can never be paid. You see, you can't earn God's favor. You can't pay off the debt. You can't work to change it. It all revolves around seeing yourself clearly. This whole parable, this whole lesson, everything here this morning revolves around you and I understanding that Jesus Christ, don't miss this, came into the world. He paid a debt that he did not owe because we owed a debt that we could not pay. It, it is outrageous. It is scandalous. It is reckless that Jesus Christ took upon himself the penalty for our sins. This is amazing. In fact, if you've heard it said... If you were the only person living on the face of the earth, Jesus Christ loved you so much, he would have come and died for you. This morning, we need to understand the depth of God's love for us. The depth of his love and forgiveness on him. Almighty judgment fell that would have sent the world to hell, including me. All our sin poured out upon Jesus Christ so we could be set free. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. And so the stunning thing is not that there is only one way. The stunning thing is that there is a way. And the way is Jesus Christ. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. And so the parable is teaching that your life needs to be altered by that truth. My life needs to be altered, changed forever. I need to recognize my condition before a holy God. I need to be overwhelmed by his love. And I need to be blown away by his forgiveness. And that's why these services and these moments we have together in corporate gatherings are so important that we lift up Jesus high and that we love him and honor him and recognize how much he's done for us and what his forgiveness has done for us. And then finally, completely, we surrender to him in salvation. Have you done that? Has there been a time in your life where you've completely surrendered your life to Jesus Christ and made him your Savior? At the cross. At the cross. Where I first saw the light. September the 1st, 1978, the burden of my heart was rolled away. It was there at the cross by faith that I received my sight. I've been happy ever since. I'm just happy. I'm overwhelmed by what Jesus has done for me. Because forgiveness destroys other people, we must choose to forgive. Unforgiveness is so destructive. I see this happen all the time as a pastor. As I talk to people, as I counsel people, as I minister to people, I see the destructiveness of unforgiveness. It is a devastating choice to be an unforgiving person. Notice in the Matthew 18, as the parable continues in verse number 28, the servant comes to him, or the servant goes out. He's been forgiven of how much? $10 billion. I mean, that's our example today in modern day times. So he finds one of his fellow servants who owes him 100 denarii. How much is 100 denarii? Well, it's not like 10 bucks. 100 denarii is two-fifths of a year's wages. So it's $20,000 for sake of example. So he's he owes him $20,000. He's just been, been forgiven $10 billion. And here's what he does. He says, bro, I just got forgiven $10 billion. It's amazing. Listen, you're forgiven. Does he do that? The Bible says he seizes him. He chokes him. And then he says to him as he's laying on top of him with his hands on his neck, 
pay me what you owe me. This is staggering. This is like the guy just got forgiven $10 billion. He should have been forgiving. But unforgiveness leaves a devastating wake in its path. Four things. First of all, it shatters relationships with people. And it shattered the relationship that he had with a fellow servant. Look at verse 28 again. And when the same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. He seized him. He choked him. Pay me what you owe. Question to the audience. Class, let me ask you a question. Do you think that relationship was over? It's an obvious answer. Yes. He seized him. He choked him. I mean, this relate, unforgiveness destroys relationships. It destroys marriages. It destroys friendships. It destroys oftentimes families. Secondly, he loses credibility with his coworkers. Look at the very next verses in verse 29. His fellow servants fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I'll pay you. But he refused and he went out and put him in prison that he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants, the other guys in the business, the, the people that were working also for the king, saw what had taken place, and they were like, this dude's nuts. They were greatly distressed. They're like, what's up with this guy? This is not right. So they go tell the king. They go report to their master all that had taken place. He lost all his credibility with everyone around him. I can hear it now. You're so full of it. You go to church on Sundays. Yeah, I get it. I know how you guys are. Christians, yeah, right. He loses all his credibility. You know, church, let me tell you something. Christianity needs an injection of credibility. And the way we get it oftentimes is by being loving and forgiving people. Are you with me? Thirdly, his relationship with the boss was devastated. Then his master, his boss, summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant. They had such a good thing going. I mean, this could have been like the best relationship. Walking down the hallway every day, going to work, high five. Look, I'm so humbled. I I can't believe you forgave me of $20 billion. Like, you're my best friend and will be my best friend forever. I'm so glad to get to work for you. I mean, you've taught me so much. I mean, the fact that you forgave me has changed my life. Thank you. You've given me a second life. Not at all. You wicked servant. I forgave you all the debt because you pleaded with me. And should you not have mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? He could have had a great relationship with the king. But he did not extend what had been extended to him. And then fourthly, he was separated from his family. And in his anger, his master delivered him to the jailers. He lost his family, separated from his family. So many people in our families are suffering because of unforgiveness that we're holding on to. And then finally, number four, because unforgiveness destroys me. One of the reasons why I like to forgive is unforgiveness is so destructive to Erica Pacey. I just have experienced it for short periods of time. It will mess your health up. It'll mess your psyche up. I wonder today if Hot Springs has a homeless problem. I've been kind of campaigning on that, church. Hot Springs has a homeless problem. Can I tell you what I think the homeless problem could be brought back to? 
a bunch of people living on street corners who haven't forgiven. They're dealing with unforgiveness and bitterness in their hearts, things that have been done to them. I wonder if maybe part of the problem could be solved if we could offer love and and, and counseling and the faith-based community would come together and instead of just giving them $10, let's, let's, let's give them some help. Let's give them some counsel. Let's invite them to church. Let's make a difference in their lives. Listen to this. Again, in Matthew 18, 34 and 35, it says, His master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. That word in the King James says, delivered him to the torturers. And so also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Many Bible scholars believe that this is just not about this life, but about the life to come. That a person's life that does not exhibit forgiveness or a pattern of forgiveness is not truly saved. Could that be someone here today? A pattern of unforgiveness. You know, every study on forgiveness indicates this. In 2004, Worthington and Shear used MRI scans and found out the unforgiveness, that unforgiveness was destructive to the emotional health of a person. In 2004, a study was found that unforgiveness on the part of a person correlates with that of a, a person suffering with psychiatric disorders. Carl Buckley Frazier, a psychiatrist, said, there has been about 60 conclusive studies that show a clear connection between the health of a body and the effects of unforgiveness. But on the positive side, forgiveness produces better news about our mental and emotional health. Forgiveness can actually make a person healthier, happier, and maybe even in better physical shape. So no wonder God says to forgive. The creator of our bodies knows that we are not made to carry the baggage and the weight of our sin and the sin of others against us. Unforgiveness is a sin. It's a cancer to the soul. And until you choose the crisis and commit to the process and let God set you free, You're going to carry around the weight of unforgiveness. Watch the last 60 seconds of the video as our worship team comes. And in the process of trying to dump our baggage on someone else, inevitably what happens is we pick up more baggage. And then there's that one, my sin, my secret sin. It's, um, it's cool. I mean, uh, I've got it under control. Who am I kidding? Most of the time it has control of me. And this is the way I live. And yet, I hear the words of Christ who says, I've come that you may have life and may have it abundantly. I don't know about you, but this doesn't really feel like abundant life to me. I I, I can't walk straight. I I can barely keep my balance. And then, and then I remember his words. Because Christ also said, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. And I will give you rest. That's what I want. That's what I want. So I go to God. God, please, 
If you're willing, would you take this baggage from me? Because God, I'm miserable and I can't live this way anymore. Please take it. You know what? It takes it. What I'd like to do is take a moment and have some reflection just for a couple of minutes. I've put on the screen three, just three prayer points for us today as we're led into the closing song. The first one is, I want to ask you to take about a minute, just rest in God's forgiveness. This is a time just to smile and rest. Maybe lean back in your seat, hold your wife's hand. Or if you're sitting next to somebody you care about, and just say, May God's been good. His forgiveness is so amazing. Let's just rest in that. Let's believe today that God's forgiveness has been extended to the whole world. And if you and I have received that forgiveness, has it not changed our lives? Are we not different? Today, because of the forgiveness of Christ, take a moment, bow your heads, and let's rest and praise God for His forgiveness. next one I'd like to ask you to consider doing with me is take a moment and pause and and let the Holy Spirit reveal any bitterness in your heart towards someone. Now what will happen maybe is a name's going to come to mind. Somebody from your past. Maybe a face, a name, a person. Could be a family member. Could be anything. Anyone. And as that is revealed to you I want you to ask the Holy Spirit as, you're, as you sit in silence to reveal any bitterness towards anyone or anything in your life. Let him show you what that is. Take a moment in silence and just listen as the Holy Spirit reveals that bitterness in our hearts. I want you to thirdly understand that we can't do this alone. It's time now to confess that to Christ, that unforgiveness, that bitterness in our hearts that is like the video produced this weight, this baggage, right? And so what we need is we need God's strength to help us. I can assure you, it's probably not normal for a pastor to be as positive and happy as I am. But the only thing I can give credit to is a God who has strengthened me enough to roll with the punches of life. Because they're coming. They're coming in hard and hot. And it's tough. So God simply says, come unto me, all you that are burdened and heavy laden. 
and I'll give you the strength and the rest you need to bear that burden. Not alone, but with me. So ask God for strength to deal with what the Holy Spirit revealed to you as bitterness. Ask Him for strength to forgive. Let's do that. with our heads bowed and our eyes closed just for a moment more. I want to ask <clears throat> Kevin and Paul if they would join me up at the front. Carol Ann, would you join me? I don't think she stepped out to use the restroom. She'll be right back. If you could stand here, Kevin and Paul. We did this in the first service and there were a few people that needed prayer and I just don't want to miss an opportunity if you need prayer. Kevin and Paul are here. I'll be here with Carol Ann when she comes back in in just a second. And if you just need somebody to pray with you in the moment, just right now, I want you to feel like you can come. We're here. If not, we'll just worship with you. But we want you to have that opportunity. If you have a prayer need, specifically right now, you need just someone to come alongside you in prayer. We're here. Let's ask God to give us the strength we need to let it go and to live the abundant life he's planned for us. Let's all stand together, shall we?